بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته my dear viewers and listeners those watching live uh, or those watching the recording uh, we'd like to welcome you all to another discussion another conversation with Roots Academy Uh, discussing themes relevant to our courses uh, and our educational programs. Uh, this month, uh, we've launched a Sira course, a course on the life of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And uh, in the context of the world, the world's perhaps a, a global assault on the character of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And in the lockdown, the uncertainty, the times that we live in, uh, it's important to take a step back and look back at the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam's life, what we can take away from it, and what we can reflect on it. Joining me today is our esteemed guest, guest Dr. Uthman Latif, Hafizullah. May Allah protect him and preserve him, uh, who's an accomplished historian, an author, and a da'iya, um, a man who's well-known uh, in, the, in the da'wah circles and who's traveled around the world to give talks, lectures, and to teach. We're honored to have him. Uh, how are you, uh, Dr. Asman, today? Yeah, well, alhamdulillah. As-salamu alaykum. Wa alaykum as-salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Jazakumullah khair for joining us today. And um, I think we have two different links. Uh, so the link that we shared is not the one that's that's been that we're uh, streaming now on. So I do apologize for that, uh, and to the audience and the listeners. But inshallah, ta'ala, I will commence and pose the first question to Sheikh. And uh, the first question is: uh, In our current times, in the pandemic during Corona, one of the challenges that we have, one of the difficulties that we have, is that of being alone, that of being under lockdown. Um, The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, we know, uh, perhaps spent a lot of spent uh, quite some time of his alone. How can we benefit uh, from the solitude, and how can we look at the life of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in order to learn from that, uh, from the time that we live in? Bismillah, alhamdulillah, hamdan shakirin wa salam ala al-mursalin bin Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbi wa sallam tasliman kathira. Awalan, you know, may Allah bless you for the very kind invitation. It's an honor for myself to be with you and and partaking and and taking each other great baraka and benefit from your great work in in your institution. Um, I I think in 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 light of your question, there is a, there is a point we could begin with about. Uh, uncertainties and unpredictabilities. Uh, we've spent the last seven minutes trying to get this right, inshallah, of, of, of having this, inshallah, uh, this this podcast begin. But there is a good point we can make, inshallah, just from just from the the uh, the uh, the fact that we couldn't get things right the first time around, right in the beginning, and that in fact is a reflection of life itself. <laughs> and Allah, in fact, gives in the Quran that there is there is supposed to be in life. A series of unpredictable and uncertain events uh, that you are not entirely prepared for. When Allah in the Quran says, for example, "وَلَنَبْلُوَنَّكُمْ بِشَيْءٍ مِنَ الْخَوْفِ وَالْجُوعِ وَنَفْسٍ لَمْوَالِ وَالْفُسِ وَالْثَمَرَاتِ وَبَشِّرِ الصَّابِرِينَ." Maybe in our minds, in our hearts, we weren't always, we weren't expecting poverty, we weren't expecting loss, we weren't expecting a change of affairs in our lives to such an extent that it would derail us. Now, this is a small, of course, a very small example of the fact that sometimes we we try to get things uh, on our terms how we want them to be, but there's always something that could, in fact, uh, derail that process. But it's not something that we would, in fact, bemoan or we would feel sad for. In fact, there's a profound lesson in that. We had um, the, a brother took shahada a few months ago uh, in Slough, where, where I'm from, and I went. To see him, uh, the family invited me, and I went there and I spoke with him. And Hamdulillah, took shahada. But but I but I got lost along the way, got lost on the way, and uh, and so I was a bit late. And the family was waiting there, and the food was ready and everything, and I was late. 
And, <laughs> and so when I was there, I had to apologize for being late. But I began, in fact, my 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 talk or my reminder by speaking about uh, Surah An-Namal in the Quran. It's a very beautiful reminder Allah gives, of course, primarily uh, and Nabi Salam, then of course all of us. And that is that in Zutul Namal we have this uh, transitioning. Like we have transitioning through life, uh, we transition through landscapes, we encounter new spaces, and within those spaces are new social experiences that we're not aware of. So for example, if you take in the Quran Zutul Namal, Allah mentions, uh, Allah says, وَحُشُرْ سُلَيْمَانِ جُنُودُهُ مِنَ الْجِنِّ وَالْإِنْسِ وَالطَّيْفُمْ يُزَعُونَ Allah says, Sulaiman alayhi salam, uh, in a hushra, meaning gathered before him were his army of humans and jinn and birds, and they're all arranged. Uh, and so what comes to your mind, perhaps, is you think of uh, might and power and kingdom. You know, this is, this is Sulaiman alayhi salam's social space. He's comfortable in that space because he's a king prophet, and that's everything just arranged for him. But you don't always live in that space, in, in, in any temporal space. Everything is bound by change. And Allah then says in the next verse, until they came to the valley of the ants. Now the valley of the ants is not the, the place of power and prestige that Suleiman was in. Initially, there is a change of, of location, change of, of place and space. And also because the, the chapter is called, of course, it's called Surah Naml, and the valley is a lower space. It's a lower space, and and that's a space inhabited by perhaps millions of ants. Until the queen ant speaks and says, "Ya Naml, udhulu masakinakum, enter your homes." Mm-hmm. That means even within the spaces that we live in in life, um, uh, even even the the diminutive and the small and what we might figure to be the insignificant. Mm-hmm. have places that in their own realm are places of extreme importance because uh, a, a home is not a house, you know. A home is where, in fact, there is second, maskan, like the verse in the, in the Quran about marriage, uh, so you would find homeliness, repose and tranquility in one another. But the point is good because the point reminds us, therefore, that we should not take it for granted that we're always going to be in places that we're always familiar with, always uh, are easy for us to navigate through and around, even if it means navigating on the uh, on the virtual landscape of, of our meeting. Yes. We're, we're navigating, in fact, through this, just like Suleiman was navigating through <laughs> his social spaces. And I think that's something, inshallah, for us to think about. Now, now, for your question, I think this really taps in quite quite nicely to uh, understanding uh, the, the Prophet's early life, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the way that, as you mentioned, you know, he spent uh, a long time uh, in the cave uh, by himself and was engaged in in an action, an activity. And the action, of course, was an action of uh, of solitude. Now think about that for a moment, the action of solitude, I mean, being deliberately creating for yourself uh, a presence, an environment uh, where you are alone. Uh, it's for the purpose, I mean, that's that's halwa, but there are there are two kind of, we, we, we might see halwa as a, a physical seclusion, and mm. it's true, but but the physical seclusion, in fact, is its purpose to, to engender and create within man a spiritual seclusion. It's within himself. That's in fact where, where growth initiated. Growth does not begin at the physical level. 
for us as Muslims, growth, in fact, begins at the at the inner core of a person's being. And that's the, this is why in the Quran, for example, when Allah says about growth, and Allah says she grows a beautiful, excellent growth. And of course, she's in the mihrab alone by herself. That's, that's her halwa in the mihrab. And of course, miracles are happening and Zakir al-Islam is coming. But the point is, she wasn't simply growing in age, growing in physical being, growing uh, like that. But her growth was more profound than that. She was growing in her intellectual maturity. She was growing in her spiritual being, growing in her wisdom, growing in her character. And all of these things, in fact, are created uh, primarily and essentially, as we see in the Prophet's life, the life of Maryam, السلام, through times and moments of introspection. Times and moments of self-reflection, times and moments, muraqaba, muhasaba, you know, knowing, of course, Allah is seeing and observing everything, knowing, of course, that within yourself, there has to be uh, feelings of, uh, you know, self-accountability, that we're not always, uh, like we mentioned, getting things right. There's some things that we need to change within ourselves. It's quite beautiful, in fact, if you think about that, because... Uh, that really ties into Suleiman was, of course, the son of Dawood. Mm. But one of the earliest verses in the Quran, in fact, this is from the Makki uh, Surah, where Allah says, Isbir ala ma yaqulun, wazkur abdana Dawood, innahu awab. Allah says, Be patient about what they say about you, meaning Nabi, uh, and remember our servant Dawood. And Allah says, uh, the aid, he had power, but the ulama, they say this is the power of obedience to Allah. And he was awab. Awab means araja ilallah. Awab is the one that returns to Allah, returns all of his affairs back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's happening at the very human level, at the person, a person's consciousness is always aware, alert. That, that's called the state of preparedness. To be in a state of preparedness, meaning that your very being at the very fitra level, of course, is, is conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But you realize that there's an, there's, there's always a way that my state of fitra could become clouded by the temptations of, of the world around me, by being distracted by things around me. But by having then that sense of seclusion, you're bringing yourself back to where you're supposed to be. And then look at this. Allah then says, so Allah says, Dawood was awab, and Allah says, Inna sakharna al-jibala. Allah says, we call the mountains to remember Allah with him. mahshura, and the birds above him to remember Allah with him. Wa kullun lahu awab, and all of them, Allah says, were awab. <laughs> all of them were returning their prayers to Allah. And then Allah says later on, Allah gifted him with a son, Suleiman, ni'mal abd, innahu awab. A blessed child, and he also was a wab. And it's like, therefore, that if you begin, right, if you begin the process of engaging in the remembrance of Allah, in the conscious recognition of Allah, being in that state of spiritual preparedness, Allah would make the whole work, whole world work with you. Mm-hmm. You know, the mountains and the birds and your environment is remembering Allah with you. And so I think, therefore, that there is a point of of, of understanding the need to remedy one's self, one's nafs, mm-hmm. you know, uh, through a khalwa. Uh, think, for example, um, Allah in the Quran, he says, subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَنَفْسٍ وَمَا سَوَّاهَا فَأَلْهَمَهَا فُجُورَهَا وَتَقْوَاهَا Allah says, consider the nafs, consider the self, uh, how 
the nafs, in fact, could be inspired to uh, acts of utter depravity, but also with acts of uh, you know, piety and, and saintliness, taqwaha. And then Allah says, Successful is the one that purifies it, meaning the self, and at loss is the one that buries it. It disallows himself to reach that point of growth that Allah is pleased with, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, of course, the ayah, the ayah continues in Surah Al-Shams, and Allah says then, you know, Allah speaks about Thamud, Kathabat, Thamud, It's almost like there is, there is an, an obvious consequence of failing to, to cleanse oneself, to failing to look back upon oneself, that if you do, if you leave yourself as it is, uh, with all of our you know uh, vices and all of our uh, our lower self, if we uh, if we're leaving ourselves to that, then there's a consequence that maybe this like Ibn Qayyim He says Ibn Qayyim says within one nafs it could be that there's an encapsulating of the arrogance of Thamud and the pride of Iblis and the and the obstinacy of Qarun and the envy of, of Qabil, all of this could exist, in fact, in one human self. And Allah is saying, therefore, that self needs to be checked. Let it go back upon itself. You know, and Allah says that there is uh, Allah says that's, in fact, that's the self that is self-reproaching, going back upon itself and checking itself. And I think that the, 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 the physical the physicality of a khalwa is essential, but that's really predicated on ensuring that the spiritual khalwa is is uh, is being uh, being practiced or being is being refined in this. And um, and I think that's really the key thing for us to remember uh, that in in the Prophet's early life, sallallahu that was really that was really the opening because that's where. That's where the essence of the deen is going to emanate from. It's going to stem from a heart that is purified. It's going to stem from a heart that is cleansed, uh, you know, from a mind that is free of all of the distractions that keep us, uh, keep us, you know, away from reaching where Allah wants us to reach. And I think that's a key thing for us. I think in, in our world today, uh, there is a, um, it's almost like, there's an interesting, there's a, there, uh, one of um, Douglas Rushkoff's books is called uh, Media Virus. And he, in fact, has a chapter called Busy Busy, meaning, and it's like a kind of a cliche, meaning when you ask someone how's life and they say, yeah, busy, busy, <laughs> you're not really yeah. busy, you know, yeah, but, yeah. but you're forced to think, you're forced to think that you're busy, but yeah. you're not busy. And the biggest occupation Allah wants us with, of course, is to have, is to be occupied with one's heart. This is this is what preparedness means. And Allah in the Quran says, وَلِبَاسُ taqwa ذَلِكُ خَيْرٌ And the garment of that spiritual preparedness, that taqwa, is best. And Allah says, وَتَزَوَّدُوا And this is the ulama, they say, although it's speaking about hajj, it's about life also. Mm-hmm. And Allah says, take a provision. وَتَزَوَّدُوا فَإِنَّ خَيْرَ الزَّادِ taqwa." And the best provision you could take is that piety, consciousness, fear of Allah, love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I think, therefore, that, you know, away from people's, um, even people have, you know, uh, kind of expectations, like grandiosity, expectations of people, uh, and and what khalwa ensures is that you're away from that because that could be detrimental to yourself. Sometimes people have the opposite; they have uh, they have um, jealousy 
they have scrutiny, they over-scrutinize or they're over-jealous of a person. Mm-hmm. And that's also harmful. But when you're alone in solitude, remember you're actually away from these negative currents. You're away from people uh, uh, like adulation, over-praising you or people scrutinizing you. You are by yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, that's you. It's like, for example, the, the Prophet says when someone praises you, say, Oh Allah, forgive me for what they say about me and don't hold me to account for what they say about me. Forgive me for what they say and make me better than what they think about me. Because a person's, uh, you know, when you're by yourself, you know yourself. Everybody knows themselves, you know. And it could be, therefore, that you know you're more predisposed to being and showing a goodness in front of people because there are obvious points of embarrassment and shame. Mm-hmm. But when you're with Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, that's the, or alone with Allah Subhanahu. I mean, by yourself, then that's really the standard of a person's uh, taqwa. And second thing is, of course, that your you know the um, the grain of a person's uh, acquisition in this life. Uh, is dependent on that. It's like uh, Imam Ghazali, he says that one of his uh, advices, he says, I looked upon creation and I saw everybody was in love with something, in love with something like so much. And he says that some of them uh, would be in love with them to the point where they would uh, visit them when they're sick and ill. Mm-hmm. And they would stand by them and they would kind of you know, console them and everything. And then he says, and I saw they would leave. And I said, I see, so I, I saw others who were so much in love that they would be with them at the point of their death. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they would also leave. And then some others would be with them at the graveyard, the funeral, and they would bury them. Mm-hmm. And he said, then they would also leave. It's and fine. he said, so I, for, 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 and, I, and I thought and I said, what could be with me even when I'm in the grave? And he says, <laughs> and I didn't find anything except good deeds. So I took, therefore, the good deeds as as a beloved one, you know, for myself. But all of these points, they come from uh, self-reflection. And and there's so many like that. One of the things that, uh, uh, I think one of the, I think it was Ibn Omar, maybe, uh, no, it was uh, my mistake. It was um, Omar bin Abdul Aziz, either him or Ibn Mubarak, one of one of them one of the great ones from our past, is that he used to uh, put his his blanket over his head, mm-hmm. you know, and he would say, oh Allah, you know, save me from the darkness of the grave. Allah. One of the dying words of Mu'adh ibn Jabal was, uh, mm-hmm. I speak Allah. of Allah from a night whose morning is hell. Okay. You know, you, you only reach those states through moments of, you know, being alone and reflecting and thinking deeply about these things. And so, it's a big thing, you know, for us to to really t- take into in consideration and think deeply about the, mm. the great benefits uh, of of the prophets, Halwa uh, in in Mount Hira, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. But the way he also wanted for us, really, I mean, one of one of the, in fact, all of us, every single day of our lives, should have moments like this. And one of the ways that Allah mandates for us in the Quran is through the salah. Mm-hmm. Because that's a state when you're by yourself, Imam Allah, before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And look what Allah wants. And Allah in the Quran says, Allah says, seek Allah's aid with patience and, and salah 
And that is a difficult thing, except for those who have khushu, the khashu'een. And khushu is qalbun hadr. It is to have a heart that is in the present. Now, in our world today, uh, that that's the state that we're, we're hardly ever in, the mm. state of the present. Because our minds are vacillating, you know, between the past and the future. What happened yesterday and what's going to happen tomorrow? And mm. even in Salah, you know, we're thinking about shaitans, you know, we're thinking about uh, what just happened five minutes ago and what's going to happen five years after Salah, five, five minutes after Salah is finished. But to keep your heart and mind in the present is the challenge of the Salah. This is why Ibn Qayyim says that it is not, Allah, Allah is not saying the Salah is difficult because the harakat are very easy, even a child can do harakat. But mm. uh, he says Allah is saying that to have a heart that is in the present, that's difficult. That requires training, therefore. So if I'm practicing that every day, even in times in the night, in the day, you know, even if it's a few minutes, but I'm by myself and I'm thinking, subhanAllah, what's happening with my life? What's happened with time? Right? What's happened with my time today? Did I do what I, as much as I could have done today? All of these self-questioning is, is a crucial part, you know, of, uh, of having that sense of, uh, of, of halwa. Subhanallah, that's just really beautiful uh, reminder about the 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 importance of seclusion, and especially in a world where we may be alone, but because of our mobile phones, we are perpetually connected. We still never get a moment yeah. to ourselves. Uh, it's a really encouragement to still to even disconnect from that and to still have a yeah. real a real moment with ourselves. One of the yeah. beautiful things about seclusion is when we look at the life of the Prophet ﷺ, the Prophet ﷺ, the moments of seclusion were or, or the intense periods of seclusion were almost quickly followed up by intense periods of hardship and calamity. Maryam alayhi salam, who you just mentioned, uh, her training in the mihrab, in the, you know, her, her private prayer area, was yeah. then followed by the entire ordeal of giving birth to Isa alayhi salam and coming into serious confrontation with society. Uh, the Prophet Musa alayhi salam, his 10 years of exile in Madian is then followed by a massive confrontation, uh, you know, in front of the Pharaoh. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam's um, you know, his meditation or his uh, his khalwa in the cave of Hira is followed by, you know, you know 23 years of uh, hardship, war, calamity, difficulty. And that takes us kind of as uh, a smooth vehicle to the next question, which is uh, in the seerah, in the life of the Prophet ﷺ, in the Quran, in the history of the prophets, when we look back in general, um, we come across, you know, these moments of solitude as being sort of uh, a charging, uh, a charging port for then what is about to come. But then when we actually move to those situations, uh, the calamities, calamities, the difficulties, the Prophet's year of sorrow where he lost his wife, he lost his uncle, he lost his support, he was very vulnerable. What can we learn from the people of the past uh, in the way of how to stand in front of the wor- the, the difficulties and calamities that this life throws at us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests us with? And how can we uh, develop the fortitude uh, to sail through those winds. Uh, may Allah give all of us tawfiq, inshallah, Amen. to do that. Um, one of the big, one of the big learnings, I think, from this early period in Prophet's life was the fact that, like you mentioned, there was difficulties, and and you know, right after the experience of of the cave when Allah revealed the first ayat in the Quran, as you know, there was a delay and a gap in revelation, and and the mushrikeen really took this and they made a lot of fun. They would say things like, uh, His Lord has abandoned him. His Lord has abandoned him. Uh, and it was difficult. There was a difficult time in the, for the Prophet because he thought that maybe there was something 
uh, in that experience uh, of seclusion and then of course Jibrilism comes that he did wrong you know something happened to him um, but then beautifully Allah revealed Surah Al-Duha in the Quran and this is a very profound surah because it's hope generating surah right and it's a reminder therefore Allah begins by saying what duha by the early morning brightness and there's something quite powerfully symbolic in that just the image of an early morning brightness meaning it's like the dawn of a new day it's a new chance new opportunity a new beginning it's a it's a new chapter of a, of a new day it's something new could happen every single day like they say that no two days are the same in the life of any son of adam every single day is a separate unique day and Allah says, "What duha by the morning brightness? What layli ida saja by the night when it comes in its stillness? Ida is sakin and kamaykun sukun al bahar." Ibn Kathir says that it's like the, the the stillness of a sea, the silence of a sea. And then Allah reminds him by saying, "Ma wadakarabuka wa ma qala your Lord has not abandoned you." Therefore, the, the powerful point here is that Allah is always with us. Allah is always close to His servants. There's never a sense of abandonment. And Allah says, and then of course, the one that when it's a reminder for the Prophet that Allah hasn't abandoned him, nor does Allah scorn him, and Allah then reminds him of his of his previous days. You see, all of us as humans are a myriad of 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 just so many human life experiences. Mm. We don't remember all of them, but every single one of them has shaped us to become who we are today. Every single one of us has left its imprint on our consciousness, on our being, physical being, mental being, spiritual being, to make us who we are today. But those experiences are not always remembered. There's a sense of oblivion uh, in, in, in that state. But Allah then says, Didn't Allah find you an orphan and sheltered you? Right. So therefore, there is something in your backstory, who you used to be before. You don't remember anymore what was happening when you were a child. But wasn't Allah looking after you? Wasn't Allah sustaining you? Wasn't Allah giving you air to breathe? Wasn't Allah feeding you? Wasn't Allah protecting you? So you could be who you are today. And that's very profound in, in the point of when Allah says, And again, it's, uh, Dawood is interesting here. And Allah says, Act, O family of Dawood, with gratitude. What does that mean? That means... If I'm conscious of my very being, it means I have to be conscious of everything that's that's led to my very being to be my very being today. You know, mm-hmm. think about every every single like in, in the human body, for example, all the working parts in the human self. Everything, for example, I was Dr. Salman saw a picture of me. I did a talk yesterday mm-hmm. on Umar al-Mukhtar, and Dr. Salman saw Shabbat. me with the and I've just bought these, by the way, this this headsets, and I've never had nice. a headset, subhanAllah. <laughs> like, you know, ah, I always struggle. Yeah, this is why I thought I'm going to invest in this, inshallah, and may Allah put barakah and, and what comes through it and from it, whatever. Allah. And uh, and he was just, he was kind of, he was making, he was kind of laughing about the whole thing. But I thought, look, subhanAllah, I mean, how many people have been involved in just the create the making of this of this headset? How many people, the, the people who, who first had to design it and then thought about it and then have, the people in human history who have worked so hard for us to be where we are today with this simple headset. And then about the people who, who manufactured it and the people who then distributed it. And then I got it in my home. I mean, all of these things. But if we if we think like this for everything, the clothing I'm wearing, all of this, then think about the prophetic du'as. Alhamdulillah. Praise be to Allah who has dressed me with this dress 
and this did not come from myself. Any, there's no power from myself. All of it is coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so therefore to think back on yourself, to think this is where I was yesterday and my yesterdays through Allah's protection and preservation have created my new opportunities and new memories and new scenarios which then translate into me becoming who I am today from the topic from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, أَلَمْ يَجِدَكَ يَتِيمًا فَأَهْوَى وَوَجَدَكَ ضَالًا فَهَدَى وَوَجَدَكَ عَائِلًا فَأَغْنَى And Allah says, you know, you were poor, Allah reached you, you were, uh, uh, you were uh, wandering and Allah guided you. But then the key point comes, and this is why this question you, you asked is very essential on, on two grounds, and I think that is not, see, we don't live in seclusion as human beings. We're actually no. social beings. You know, mm. but if we get the point of the way that the physical halwa is predicated on that spiritual halwa, then that we can function in human society in a state really of of halwa, right? Because it means that our spiritual state is always in a in a state that is pleasing to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and, and that is a protected state of preparedness. So when Allah then says, uh, as for the orphan, you know, don't be cruel and don't be bad to the orphan. Ibn Kathir says, he says, uh, remember your state of being an orphan. Mm-hmm. You know, he says, remember you when you were poor, when you were an orphan, meaning have that sense of human empathy. And empathy really is to be cognizant of your own vulnerabilities. If you can be cognizant of your own weaknesses, vulnerabilities, then it would help you to perspective take with other people who have those same predicament. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ibn Kathir, I, I think in Al-Qutubi says, Kun Rahim, be unto the orphan like a merciful father. Meaning you would then have those states within you that could really uh, reflect uh, a profound sense of, of goodliness and, and mercy and empathy and so on and so forth in, in, in the side of you. Therefore, I think the Surah Al-Duha is very essential because it's really hope inspiring for sure the prophet had had very very difficult times in his life uh, you know after moments like you mentioned of of seclusion as did maryam uh, and there was of course a kind of a, a, a testing you know within that allah says about maryam when she was giving birth allah says you know pull the trunk of the palm tree towards you meaning just don't leave the the effort that's required you know within your state of of difficulty it's like the example of hajar when she's making the sa'i you know and she has to walk and she has to run she has to climb seven times but allah is saying that's your labor man will have what he made effort for in the end you will see the fruits of his labor but the the idea is that within these challenges in the prophet's life for example you mentioned five and you mentioned uh, even, for example, in the early days, that intense, horrific persecution he faced, you know, from the mushrikeen, uh, and, and, and the, and the, and the character assassination and all of this and how much also his, his wife Khadija suffered in that situation, radiallahu anha. Um, there is something about, you know, an increased sense of personal strength that we can gain, you know, as, as Muslims. So we should remember, therefore, that Allah, nothing, Allah doesn't do anything or create any situation except that there is goodness in it for the believer. The Prophet of Allah says, in the Amr al-Mu'min kullahu ajab, all of the states of the believer are strange for him. 
Nothing does Allah decree for him except for good for him. And in Asabatu Tharra Shakara, if if a good thing comes, he's grateful and that's good for him. And if mm-hmm. a hardship comes his way, then he's patient and that's also good for him. So therefore, there is a, a way that Allah wants for us as human beings not to not always necessarily escape the trial, but mm-hmm. to find a, a greater wisdom within that trial. So that mm-hmm. when the trial transpires, and of course it will transpire in the mal-usri yusra, in the mal-usri yusra, it mm-hmm. will transpire, it will pass away. Uh, but the question is, who do we become once the trial has has finished? I mean, what's what is what's new uh, that's been ingrained within us in our human consciousness, in our piety, in our taqwa, uh, mm-hmm. closer to Allah? That's a consequence of that challenge and that test. This is why we have to realize that even within difficulties, sometimes Allah places new possibilities. Mm-hmm. There, there's some there's some things that you know. I mean, no one would have known. So, for example, when Allah says, um, uh, when Allah says, "Walakhiratu khairu lakamin al-ula," this is Surah Al-Buha again. But of course, no one would have known. The Prophet wouldn't have known that, for example. Uh, and then the akhirah, of course, here is not just the akhirah as in the next life, but also then the, what's coming in the dunya, meaning mm-hmm. what's coming later, tomorrow. Yes. Would the Prophet have known about Battle of Badr? Would he have known about Hudaybiyah? Would he have known about Fatul Makkah? Would he, the great, the great conquest of the Muslims? No. Mm-hmm. But the beginning point is something small. I mean, it's, it's just that's where he was, you know, in, in, so, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the streets of Makkah. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, you can't you can't envision the future. But it's something that if we always adhere to that principle of of keeping hope in Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, uh, like the mother of Musa alayhi salam, when Allah says, "I mean, there was fair," and Allah mm-hmm. says, "In she was about to disclose her affair when Musa alayhi salam was you know on on route to the house of, of Pharaoh, and mm-hmm. her sister is walking along the bank. Look at mm-hmm. the situation, and she's about because she's worrying as a mother would worry. That sense of consternation, apprehension is normal. That's a human mm-hmm. feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Allah says, uh, reminds her that uh, Allah says that mm-hmm. uh, Allah says that she would have disclosed if it had Allah not strengthened her heart. So she remains, you know, she's one of the believers. And that's, mm-hmm. that, that sense of uh, of remaining firm, uh, that's the meaning of tawakkul, is to, to place your real firm trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, and realizing that my Lord always does best for me. Mm-hmm. And even if there is a loss, one of the beautiful du'as of Nabi Sallallahu is that he would say, Allah, Allahumma razuqni hubba. Allah. Oh Allah, uh, I, uh, grant me your love. And the love of those who benefit me to love you. Whatever you've given me, whatever I love, make it strength for me to do what you love. And look at this. Whatever you remove from what I love, whatever you've taken away from what I love, make it a means, free time for me to do whatever you love. That means Allah has Allah has goodness, you know, for for all of His servants. Uh, Allah wants the best, you know, for all of His servants. Subhanahu wa taala. Uh, but that that has to be really the the belief of the believer. And I think that you know, from Surah Al-Duha, it's a reminder early on that not to worry. Everything is going to work out perfectly the way Allah intends it to work out. We can't always see that, 
You know, people in Hudaybiyah, for example, when they heard of the news of, uh, when they thought that Uthman had been killed, and the Sahaba mm. are so angry and they're going to take their swords and kill. But the verse Allah reveals, Allah reminds them, no, but, but there's secret Muslims in, in Makkah. <laughs> there's the secret believers in Makkah. <laughs> what are you talking about? You can't simply go and kill everyone because Allah, Allah's divine plan necessitates that those people would believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right. But at that point in time, you can't always, you can't see that, you can't feel that. But, but having the belief and knowing that, you know, my Lord, my Lord has, has me, you know, my Lord always wants the best, you know, for me. Uh, and, but and what do you say, Sheikh Asman? At this stage is, is to, uh, I have to navigate in, through life with these two, uh, points of realization. One is a shukr. One is, shukr is ma'rifatun ni'am. It is to recognize the favors of Allah. And the other is sabr, other is patience, you know. And Allah will test me and try me in these two ways, right? Sometimes I will have good days, sometimes difficult days. But both of these, like when Sulaiman salam, when the hood hood goes and then he comes back and he has this whole situation happens and and uh, and he realizes, look at look at the situation. He says, min This is all from my Lord. Allah is just testing me. Would I be grateful or would I be ungrateful? You can't have all of these things happening for you. The hood hood is going and his army of human jinn and birds without there being a realization that within our own sphere of temporalities and vulnerabilities, uh, amazing things can happen. You know, and you ask yourself, how, 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 how did, how did that just happen? You know, but Allah made it happen. Allah made it happen for you. You know, how did the food get to where it got to in your kitchen? How did all of these things suddenly happen? Right. If I simply take it because we're living in a society of entitlement and that's the, that's the calamity where people, they think that I'm entitled to all of this. But I think if we stop and teach our children, I was telling my son just the other day, I said, Subhanallah, I said, I said, look at your, what did I mention? I mentioned, uh, I mentioned something to him. Maybe it was his t-shirt or something, but I said, I want you now to backtrack and tell me how many people were involved in the making of this t-shirt for it to get to where it got to today. Meaning, don't think you're entitled to anything as if it's just going to come out. You know, now you have like Amazon Prime and it's sort of next day. It's, it's all happening very fast. But if we don't stop and introspect and think and reflect, we'll lose a part of ourselves, you know, and it will make us, I think, less grateful and more impatient. And may Allah, you know, save us. Uh, you know, I mean, that I mean. That's really a beautiful, one of the key points, I think, in terms of facing difficulty, the thread that we can thread between all the situations with the Prophet ﷺ is their, their trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the trust that he has the wisdom. When Musa is in front of the sea, his words are, you know, with the army behind him and the sea in front of him, he says, Kalla inna ma'ya rabbi sahdi. No, Allah is with me, he will guide. When the Prophet ﷺ is in the cave with Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, uh, لا تحزن إن الله معنا. Don't be, don't fear, don't be sad. Allah is with us, uh, and and so the the strength uh, sort of drawn from the connection with Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and that takes us to uh, you know another point, which is and one thing you mentioned as well is is being content with Allah Subhanahu wa Taala's decree. Uh, in COVID, you know, millions of people have lost their jobs. Uh, everything's gone online. Um, there is a sense of why is this happening. There's a sense of what could possibly be the wisdom behind this, and the contentment, the rida, to feel to feel happiness and contentment, regardless whether the situation is bad or the situation is good, a very difficult spiritual quality to develop. Uh, could you discuss a little bit more about uh, rida, the idea of being content with Allah's decree? 
the you know rida because that is even it's even more pressing than a sabr than mm-hmm. being patient because to be patient means habs and nafs it means to your 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 controlling your imprisoning yourself you're holding back Yeah. Like the woman when she came, she was in Al Baqiya, and you know, she was crying because her son died. And the Prophet says to her, "Ittaqilla wasbiri, fear Allah and be patient." And of course, the woman was uh, she didn't know it was him. And it was night time, evening, and she, the Prophet walked off, and and they were told her this is the Prophet. Then she went after him, and she said, "Oh, Sini, give me advice." And the Prophet says to her, "In the sabr, in the sadmat alula, in the awal sadmat, patience is at the first strike." of the calamity meaning you hold yourself back away from saying things or doing things that are displeasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mm-hmm. but rida means to to believe that you're you're pleased with Allah's decree over you mm-hmm. you're content with Allah's decision over you and it's like for example when we discuss hasad we discuss envy one of the poets said uh, he said la kull man bata li hasidan atadri ala man asat al adabi أسأت الله في حكمه بأنك لم ترضى لي ما وهبي. الله. He says the one who is envying you say to him, uh, do you know who it is that you're sinning against? You're sinning against Allah because you're not pleased with what He gave me. Meaning you're not pleased with Allah's divine wisdom. Allah's divine wisdom that Allah chose to give me something. You need to be pleased with Allah's wisdom. It's not my wisdom. It's Allah's wisdom for Allah giving me what Allah gave me. Therefore, to be in a state of, of of pleasure in the divine decree is very strong. It's very powerful, and that requires, of course, us to have a, in a constant state of of sabr and shukr all the time. There is a point to be made here about the states of man, and even the states of the gradients of of these mm-hmm. states of the sabir and sabur and the shakir and shakur. Uh, Ibn Qayyim says, for example, the shakir, man yashkur al majud, wa shakur yashkur al mufud. The shakir thanks Allah for what is in front of him, and the shakur thanks Allah for what is taken from him. Mm-hmm. You know, wa shakir yashkur ala alafa, wa shakur yashkur ala bala. Shakir thanks Allah for the blessing. The shakur thanks Allah for even the calamities, because there is a profound wisdom in that. For me, then to be again, it goes back to believing that my Lord Allah has the best for me. There's a beautiful story Ibn Qayyim says uh, about a man who was uh, in the desert. And uh, he was a leper, and he was a leper in the desert, and he's by himself. And there's a, a you know a, a wealthy, healthy man riding past in his horse, in, a, in the whole happiness of life. And he sees this leper on the floor saying, "Alhamdulillah, ala nemihi," and he keeps repeating, "Praise be to Allah for His blessing." Praise be to Allah for His blessing. And the wealthy man says to him, "Ayy shayin baqi alaykum min al-nema tahmatullah." What? Thing remains with you of your blessing that you will thank Allah for. Wait, what is it? There's nothing I can see around you that you would want to praise Allah for. Now look mm-hmm. at this. This state of this man comes from spiritual khalwa. I mean, he's really thought deeply about this. He said to the wealthy man, "Irimi bi basarik ilah al-Madina." Look, turn your face to the people of the city. Fanzur ilah kathrati ahli. And look how many people there are in the city. And the man turns around in his horse, and he sees all the people, you know, in the bustle and hustle of life, and the merchants trading, and people. All of this is happening. And uh, then the man says to him, uh, "You know, shouldn't I praise Allah that out of all these people, Allah chose just to test me? I'm the only one being tested." That means, look at it. What the the the, the, the strength the, the Allah gave us. The Prophet of mm-hmm. Allah says. So on the one hand, you have the qada of Allah. 
ما أصاب من مصيبة في الأرض ولا في أنفسكم إلا في كتاب قبل أن نبرأها إن ذلك الله يسير لكي لا تأسوا على ما فاتكم ولا تفرحوا بما آتاكم الله says that and Allah does not love كل مختال فخور Allah says that uh, I was speaking about Umar al-Mukhtar yesterday it's a beautiful thing Uh, and and it's a beautiful story about Umar Mukhtar, and so in the end, when he's captured, and and uh, Adolfo Graziani, who was this uh, ruler of Barqa in Libya, you know, and he's one of the, of course, the henchmen of, of of what was created by Benito Mussolini uh, in the occupation of of Libya. Uh, he says to Umar Mukhtar, he, he hands him back his spectacles, which was captured from one of the battles that Umar Mukhtar lost his spectacles, and he hands him back, and he says, "Do you recognize these?" And he said, yeah. And he said, see, like I knew, he said, I knew the day that I found your spectacles that I'm going to bring back your head to the people. Uh, and this is what Al-Mukhtar recited. That there's nothing that happens in, in on earth or in yourself except it's already decreed by Allah. And that is easy for Allah. Why? So you do not lose hope in what you've missed. Right? وَلَا تَفْرَحُوا بِمَا تَكْمَنُوا Do you exult, exult, indulgent rejoicing in what you've gained? And Allah does not love any arrogant person. But it's to keep you in the middle. It's to keep you in the balance. You know, like you are not in control over your own faith. You're not in control over affairs. Meaning you're just the servant, abd of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And within life, some things are going to happen. You were not expecting to happen in both ways. Good things would come that you weren't expecting. And also some things that are difficult for you will come that you weren't expecting to happen either. But the, but the, Allah just wants you know, for the servant to tread cautiously on life, you know, on uh, being mindful of these two states that could, that could be, you know, within him all the time. But to be therefore, you know, content with Allah's decree, it's a, it's a beautiful story, in fact, of, uh, uh, Of, uh, of Urwa bin Zubair, rahmatullahi. You know, Urwa bin Zubair was the uh, was the brother of Abdullah bin Zubair, mm-hmm. and most Abi bin Zubair, except he was uh, from the Tabi'een, he was too small. But Urwa bin Zubair is a very famous story of him. You know, once uh, in the shade of the Kaaba, and all of these you know big men out there, Malik bin Marwan, and all making a wish, and they said, you know, one of them says, "Atamanna an amlikal." I wish I could rule over Iraq and. I wish I could rule. One says, I wish I could rule over the whole world. I'd rule with justice. And, and Orwa isn't speaking. And then then they turned towards him and they said, What do you wish for Orwa? And Orwa says, I wish to become scholar and someone acting upon my knowledge. And people would take the Quran and Sunnah from me. Orwa uh, bin Zubair grows up And as he's, and he's of course now, he's a grown man, he has four children, and the Khalifa in Damascus invites him to Damascus, and he takes his kids with him. Uh, one of his sons uh, was playing with one of the horses, and the horse kicks his child, and the son dies. Okay? So then the, the people inform Orwa, and Orwa comes along, and they have to prepare for the funeral and everything else, and digging the grave, and of course he's so sad. Uh, but during that process, something happens, he injures himself, or he hurts his leg, which then develops into uh, an infected wound and it's it's perilous and so over over the days the the doctors of the of the place they come and they say oh well, we, you have to have your leg amputated and this is a beautiful story about this of Orwa choosing to be in salah 
But the, but this what Urwa says at this point, uh, when he has like amputated and then the people of the town, they come and says, Urwa, we're so sad for you because you lost two big things. You know, you lost your son, then you lost your limb. Mm-hmm. And Urwa bin Zubair says to them, he says, لَقَدْ أَعْطَانِيَ اللَّهُ أَرْبَعَةٌ مِنْ الْبَنِينَ he says, Allah gave me four kids and Allah took one left three for that. I praise Allah. <laughs> Allah gave me four limbs, two arms, two legs, and Allah took one left three for that. I praise Allah. Allah. Because whenever Allah took something from me, rest assured, most of the time Allah left a lot back for me. And it's a reminder there for to be in a state of peace. It's not easy. It's not easy. It's hard. To be in that state, but may Allah grant us tawfiq to always Amen. look at the world and our state situations uh, by being. It's like having always a kind of a God-centric worldview, mm-hmm. looking at everything in your life as being, you know, of course, shaped and influenced and 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 just created by Allah, you know, for for us to navigate uh, effectively in life the way that is most pleasing to Him, Subhanahu wa Taala. Subhanallah. I mean, that's really uh, some really beautiful uh, stories and uh, historical incidents you mentioned about about contentment with the last decree. We're coming to the kind of last question um, before we open the Q and A to the to the to those viewing. And the last question, Sheikh Uthman, is you mentioned you touched on this before that Islam, uh, yes, you know, there is there is a spiritual strength that's needed, and that spiritual strength is formed in the furnace of of solitude, of mindfulness, of reflection, um, and then there is that next step of the majority of our lives is spent out in the world with people. Uh, you know, the Prophet ﷺ was a, he was a lawmaker, he was a politician, he was a military general, he was a man who had multiple wives, multiple children, etc. And um, this kind of interaction with other human beings, uh, and one of your personal interests in research is the idea of empathy. And, and particularly in, in COVID, in the pandemic, a lot of us are unable to see uh, our family members, unable to see our friends. And we start missing the human touch. We start missing the human touch and when things inshallah go back to normal, what can we take from the life of the Prophet ﷺ about how to have that compassionate, empathetic, deeply loving human touch with those around us? Are there any incidents, any traditions of people perhaps even on the margins of society looked down upon by everybody else? But the Prophet ﷺ had them at the front of his mind. What can we take from his life? Uh, it's a very good question. Uh, before, before I, before I uh, speak, just a, a bit about that. Uh, I forgot to mention the hadith from the previous question. Sure, please go uh, ahead. When the Prophet said, that the believer is never afflicted in, in fatigue, uh, pain, you know, emotional turmoil and grief, except Allah removes his sins by way of it. It's another indication, therefore, that Allah wants good for his servant, that even in the affliction, Allah is cleansing that person uh, until the Prophet said, until hatta shoka yushaku, even the pricking of a thorn, until he walks the earth and he has no sin. So oh, wow. therefore, we should always remember that as well. Muslim would always say, Yahya Qayyum, Barahmatika Astaghid. Oh Allah, it's always your mercy that I seek. Uh, now, your, your, your question is a very beautiful question, and I think it kind of it touches, like, it's a lot of my, my work uh, in, has been in this field for Alhamdulillah many years. Now I have I have two books. I have one book published this year on being human, uh, how Islam addresses othering, humanization, empathy, and I have another book coming out, inshallah, just in a few months, inshallah, in April 2021. They're both, the second one is an academic one, this, but on being human is more of an Islamic focused book, uh, on this very important, uh, strand, 
of of uh, of of being of of behavior of of our ontology uh what what we should remember therefore is that like you mentioned about the human uh, just for us to remember everybody is a person everybody is a person and that person hasn't simply come out from nowhere but that person has lived has lived has experienced they they all every single one of them has a multi myriad of multitude of experiences that have shaped that person to be where they are today every one of those people had a mother potentially at some point in their life had a father mm-hmm. you know had dependents had hopes and dreams and aspirations every single person has hopes for their own children there's so much that kind of connects us at a very simple human frame uh you know that, that that's just so common and allah in the quran of course says that walaqad karamna bani adam we have we have given nobility to the sons of adam there's something you know special in allah's creation the human being now mm-hmm. of course he can become he can turn out to be somebody that allah is pleased with but it's at a very basic level whenever you're speaking to somebody you're not speaking to a machine mm-hmm. you're not speaking to a machine sometimes i think that you know there's a problem in even in the way that we uh give dawa sometimes i think it's sometimes it's overly scripted uh mm-hmm. and what that does is it takes away from the 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 basic humanity that's in that experience allah in the quran in surah al-kahf when he mentions the priest the man who had the two gardens and allah gives it as a as an example for all of us and allah says that there was you know these two people they they were acquaintances they were they his friend and sahibu allah says it says you know his he knew him he was living next to him and allah says that when he spoke to his friend he says qali sahibu wa yuhawiruhu this is hiwar hiwar is a conversation it's not like the man is coming out to see his friend uh and he's uh i mean this is this is the, the first one is a bad one because he's very uh, he's self indulgent and he's boasting about himself and akthar min kamala i have more money than wealth and youth but he's conversing with him meaning in a negative sense this man has not scripted his speech it's coming from his heart and that's negative but then the good one in the next verse you know the next ayah allah says uh, when his friend comes when he, he says to his friend uh, and allah also says that he was conversing with him you know and he says to him uh, why didn't you say mashallah you know when you entered your garden but the point is he's seeing the encounter is very human because allah is saying wahu yuhawiruhu he's just conversing with him meaning is not scripting a speech for him that's coming from the depths of his heart that human encounter is very powerful it's a reminder by the way that in in the depths of our consciousness uh there is something i mean there's really everything really but there's something <laughs> profound there that can that can that that i'll give an example look at the example of uh, uh musa going to firaun Now Musa alayhi salam when when he says when Allah says go to Fir'aun inta bila Fir'aun no tagha faqul faqul say to him halaka ila an tazakka wa ahdiyaka ila rabbika fatakhsha he says to Fir'aun this is Musa saying to the tyrant uh, do you want to attain self purification and I will guide you to your lord and you will have all of him you know so even in that even in the in the the discussive even in the way that Allah is telling Musa to go to Firaun there's something that Musa is supposed to tap into which is Firaun's sense of human being 
mm-hmm. mean there's something within himself that if it was if it's refined it could lead to great positive outcome if it's not then it becomes uh, self indulgent and it becomes you know arrogance and so on and so forth now the human being is very interesting in fact on my my book on being human i begin in fact with a reflection on a man called um uh harry leslie smith who wrote a book called uh uh Harry's last stand he wrote the book at the age of 91 and 90 he's passed away now mm-hmm. a very elderly man who writes this book and this is a reflection of living through the 20 and the 21st century living through a long period of time and when i read the book i felt a, gre- a deep sense of admiration a deep sense of humility knowing that there are elderly people in our world who have lived life mm-hmm. in in a in, in a state that's not what what i'm seeing and observing to where they didn't have central heating and they didn't have all of this you know nhs they didn't have these things that we take for granted they lived a life that was more difficult now that story is the same for anybody any elderly person in any place on the earth but if i'm not conscious uh you know of the state of of what it means to be elderly then that's a failing on my part now harry lewis smith he begins his book by describing a simple human experience and he says that every day every morning i go downstairs and i i and i make myself a, a cup of coffee and he says that as as i'm kind of you know uh twirling the uh the uh the coffee and the sugar around in the coffee cup he says the clanking the clanking sound of my spoon against the coffee cup takes me back to when i was like 7 8 years old and i can see myself standing on the on the on the you know on the cobbled roads of london and i can hear the the hooves of the horses uh clanking on on the on the cobbled roads of london and i thought subhanallah and he says that's what it reminds me of that same sound is what i can hear he said at the same time i can see my parents rummaging through rubbish in one of the roads and trying to find a bite to eat now can you see how that one human being elderly person uh encapsulates in one small tiny experience of the sound of a clanking of of the of the of the spoon against the cup but it awakens within him uh, a memory that dates back more than 80 odd years you know and i imagine that's one person now everybody has experiences like that there is a sense of value that we should be giving therefore to that human being and that human experience and something beautiful about an nabi sallallahu is that he looked upon the world allah akbar he looked upon the world in a way that nobody ha- can look upon the world sallallahu alaihi wasallam because he looked upon the world bearing in mind that there is human potentiality uh, in everybody there's potentiality in everybody look for example example of taif that we mentioned no of course the, the, this what he says when the angels come and say we'll destroy people he says but other you but i hope instead that from the loins of the people will emerge a people who will worship only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that is to recognize it for the potentiality of the human being and the human experience and the way that he interacted with his people sallallahu was not like you know uh uh was not based upon uh you know kind of a kind of a pretentious sense of being uh, or presence with them he sallallahu was the most merciful of the people and Allah said about him that uh you know laqad kana that you would find in the messenger of allah uh, he was uh 
concern about his com- concern about people. Azizun Allah says it troubles him what what happens to you. It troubles him, and he was the most empathetic person there was. Both cognitive empathy and effective empathy. Let me give you a few examples. Look at the way to Prophet We mentioned the example of uh, uh, of, uh, of Suleiman. So this is a good example because we kind of began with this. Maybe we should end with this as well. Mm-hmm. Now, when Suleiman salam, when he sends the Rudhud to go and give the news to, uh, go and dispatch the letter to Zuleikha, uh, uh, sorry, Bilqis, to Bilqis, Bilqis is, is, is concerned and so she gathers her people and she says, look, what happened? Uh, a letter has come from Suleiman. And it says, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Uh, you know, it, tuni, uh, you know, come to me, submit to me, and don't come to me, like you know, don't uh, don't uh, rebel against me, like mm-hmm. don't have arrogance. Uh, and then she says to her people, "This has come." Now they say to her, "We have power. Why are you stressing for this person called Suleiman? We have much more power. Why chill out? We, we're 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 good. You know, <laughs> we're good." Yeah. Now Allah then says, she says, "Qalat." She says that kings, when they enter into places, new towns, they ruin them, right? They corrupt them. And they make the noble ones to become the inferior ones. Now, when Allah says, Ibn Abbas, he says, Uh, Allah is saying, that's how what tends to happen. I mean, it's like saying Allah is agreeing that that's that that's human history. That's that happens in life. But look, and Nabi Sallam. Now think about it. he's going from Medina to Mecca. The Meccans have uh, created this whole kind of propaganda campaign, and uh, you know, uh, uh, against the Prophet and against the Islam and everything else. And there's so much of these lies and everything. Now. When the Prophet goes back into uh, Mecca, uh, Abu Bakr, he had an elderly father who, who was from the Mushrikeen, who was living in Mecca, and he was old. Uh, now, think about that. Like I mentioned, Harry, think about what does it mean to be an old person, elderly person, like Abu Bakr's father. Maybe he was susceptible because of his age. Maybe he really believed uh, all these bad things against uh, the Prophet. Maybe that's what he believed. Uh, in any case, uh, when he, when Abu Bakr gets there, he goes and drags his father out from his home and says, now come and embrace Islam because, you know, we're, the Prophet is now here, so you can embrace Islam. Uh, and so he brings his father. Now look at this. Look at this point of human empathy. The Prophet says to Abu Bakr, he says, If only you left the old man in his home so I could have gone out to see him. Allah Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. I mean, look at that. You can look at that. Just, just look at that, subhanAllah. And Abu Bakr says, no, but Ya Rasulullah, he has more need to see you. And of course, Abu Bakr's words were true. Radhi was true. But look at the way the Prophet engaged with him. Then the Prophet, then it says, the narrator says, فَأَجْلَسَهُ بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ The Prophet didn't say, Ijlis, sit down. أَجْلَسَهُ He, the Prophet, sat the old man down. Right. If if the prophet is sitting there, the prophet is showing him care and esteem and recognition and privilege. He's setting him down, and then thumma uh, Then he wiped over his chest. Like you know, relax. 
we're all in it together. We're together. ثم قال then he said to him أسلم فأسلم then he said submit and he submitted to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala look at the whole process of empathy of empathy generating you know like he, the Prophet he sat him down the Prophet treated him well and kindly and this was this is what empathy is empathy means means with it means to have like you know sympathy means like to have a sense of uh, Uh, with suffering, but empathy is is in suffering. You know, pathy pathos is like to to a sense of affliction, but mm. empathy means to be in another person's difficulty, to be with that person in that situation. And the Prophet showed this in all situations. Number one, to give people a sense of uh, of importance, to make someone feel important. There's many ways we could, in fact, do the opposite in the way that we converse with people. In the time that, or the less time that we spend with people, or the way that we make our human narrative override their human narrative. It's like when someone's coming to you with a problem and saying that I have all this problem, and you end up saying to him, "Yeah, I, I had the same problem just yesterday." <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what you're doing is you're showing him that his problem isn't as important as he thought it was because you've had the same problem. But that's not the way to do it. The way to do it is to let people speak, let people hear people's problems. There was a woman who was in the hadith that says, Kanafi Akhlishun, she had a mental illness, this Sahabi, anha, something wrong in her mind. And she comes along and she says, Ya Rasulullah, inna li I have a need, I need you to fulfill for me. Mm-hmm. And the Prophet says to her, uh, look to see where, where you want to stand, where do you want to stand, or what road, which alleyway, and I'll, and I'll fulfill your need for you, I'll hear your problem. You know, mm-hmm. now, by the way, I made a mistake. It doesn't begin by saying that. The Prophet says to her, Ya Um Fulan, Ya Um Fulan, Unzuri Ayyusakakishiti. Oh, the mother of so and so. The Prophet recognized this is a woman already of importance. Mm. She already has dependence. She already has somebody that call her mother, right? She already has a place in human society that is, that is, uh, that is, you know, considerable. Right, that is worthy. She already is somebody of importance, and the Prophet spoke with her. And this is how he was, Sallam. In, in in every situation, you look at the, the situation of the man when he urinated in the masjid, and the people are so angry. And and the Prophet came. You know what happened is that when when this happened, and the Prophet said, you know, clean it up. And this is the masjid. The man when he went back into the saf, he says, "Ashhadu anhu Rasulullah, fa innu lam yu'annib lam yusub." I testify he's a Rasul of Allah because he never abused me, nor did he curse me. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Prophet had that sense of, this is an elderly man, he's old man, and this mm-hmm. is his problem. But mm-hmm. but the way that, you know, you create an environment of, mm-hmm. of acceptance, an environment of, of just ex- acknowledging that, that sh- humanity in people. And this happened at so many different levels. Look at the way, for example, the Prophet dealt with Bilal at a time where people, you know, I mean, that was just ingrained in their in their minds in their consciousness about, you know, racism and these things. But look how the Prophet just gave him that sense of of, of, of great importance. And the way the Prophet dealt with the companion, Julaibib, Julaibib was someone who was, uh, he was in, in fact almost like the social outcast because he was mm-hmm. just not liked and people didn't like how he looked and he had some peculiarities about him. But the point is, look how the Prophet brought him, you know, within the community. And they said about Julebib that there's one thing about when the, how the Prophet helped him, you know, got him married off, but then the hadith that when he was martyred, 
And the Prophet says, uh, and, and, the, and the Prophet asks companions, are you missing anybody? Mm-hmm. And they said, Nam, Fulan, wa Fulan, wa Fulan. And they asked a second time, are you missing anybody? And they said, yes, Fulan, Fulan, Fulan. He asked the third time, and they said, no, that's it. Either they've been martyred or they're prisoner or they're back with us. Nobody else to remember. Mm-hmm. And, and then think about us and our neighbors and our people. Who do we remember? Who do we keep company with? You know, what's our social sphere? You know, and the Prophet says, I miss Julabib, so go and find him. Right? Go and find him. Meaning search for him. You know, look for him. Look out for him. And they went and found him. And then they found him. He was, He killed seven. Then he was killed. And when the Prophet came, the Prophet said, What? Three times this man is from me. And I am from him. This man is from me. I am from him. You know, and then it says, in the Prophet placed him in his arms. And he says, He had no like you know, pillow on that day except the arms. of him. So the, the Prophet was therefore both verbalizing and actualizing that mm-hmm. empathy and that compassion and mercy. And therefore, you know, with all people, how he was with children, he would make them you know, race in the streets of Medina and give them gifts. He would... Chase Hassan and Hussein around the street, around the Masjid of Nabi Sallam. Then the girl who came inside the Masjid and climbed on his back, and the Prophet kept her there as long as he could. Then when he got up, he uh, he held her. And then when he went to Roku, he put her down. Then when he went back up, he picked her up again and held her. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that didn't kind of uh, uh, it didn't take anything away from the obligation of Khushu in Salah because he was a most khasha. Mm. But he was showing every human being has a place and a sense of importance. And you have to recognize that in young people, in old people, in women, in men, all people. Look at the example of that young Sahabi, Jabir bin Abdullah, when he was you know, on, his, on the journey and he had a slow camel. And mm. the Prophet asked, what's up with your camel? And he says, my camel is too slow, Ya Rasulullah. And the Prophet, and he was, he was young, but he was at the back. And the Prophet felt that he realized why is this young chap at the back? He should be, you know, with the with the the strong ones at the front. But he he saw that, and this is why he went back and he asked him, "What happened? What's up with you?" And he says, "It's a slow camel; it's not moving." And the Prophet says to him, "Give me this stick that he has." And the Prophet, you know, tapped on the camel and it springs to springs to life, and and then and then it has all this energy. And the Sahaba is saying, uh, "How did this happen?" <coughs> Jabir is saying, Asaba to Baraka, Asaba to Baraka, blessing, blessing has come upon it. Mm. And this is going along the way. And and then, uh, you know, uh, before he gets to Medina, he's really going fast. And the Prophet asks him, What's up with the, what's the hurry? And he said, I just got married. And the Prophet says to him, You know, uh, did you marry, you know, Bikran Umthayyib? And did you marry a, a, a young girl or an older woman? And he said, I have, my mother passed away and I have sisters and I needed to marry somebody who was, uh, old enough to be like their mother. And the Prophet you know, cried for him. Mm. And he says that the Prophet kept praying for him, Allah, Jabr, Allah, Allah, forgive Jabr, forgive Jabr, on the way, on the way back to Medina. You know, out of this sense of human, that's, that's love and compassion that he had for his companion, and then of course, you know, what happened with uh, Jabr is, uh, you know, the Prophet says to Jabr, you know, sell this uh, camel for me. Uh, this happens before, of course, this incident. And he says, uh, in how much? And he says, 
and and Jabra is feeling how I don't want to sell the camel because I need the camel now that is I just got married and everything and and, uh, and the Prophet says, come on, come on, sell the camel, sell the camel. And he says, how much, Ya Rasulullah? And he says, be dinar, I think it was one dinar or one dinar. He says, and Jabber knows it's worth much more than that. Mm. Or one dirham, sorry, one dirham, I think it was. And he's worth much more than that. And then he said, no, Ya Rasulullah, come on, and be dirhamain, and two. And it's going up like in small amount, and then they, they agree on a sum. And then and then Jabber says, but let me write, write it back to Medina at least, you know. The boy said, that's fine. And he goes the next day and uh, and he goes to to give the camel and, and the Prophet and he sees Bilal and then Bilal says, he gives him the money and there's extra ziyada of money. And he sees the Prophet and he said, Ya Rasulullah, you gave too much. And and the Prophet says, where is the camel? And he says, here. And he says, Ya Jabbar, innal jamal wa thaman laka ya Jabbar. He says, Jabbar, the money and the camel are both for you, O Jabber. The Prophet just wanted to spend moments with him to engage with his companion. You know, and I think we need to think about that, that, that the way we spend time with other people, human beings, Muslims, even non-Muslims, just to hear them. You know, we've done some dawah tables before, and we noticed that whenever elderly people come, they just stand there for a long time and keep talking. They really talk and talk and talk. You know, we had a person who just came and told his whole life story, his whole life history of where, where he's living from, where he came from, and, and living in Slough. And it's to the point where other people are coming, you can't give them attention because the elderly man is still talking to you, you know. But then we think, subhanAllah, who else does he have to talk to? I mean, who else is there that this elderly man could speak with? Maybe his wife has passed, maybe his kids have all moved away. Maybe he is nobody he has to talk to. And I think that we have an epidemic of loneliness in our societies because people don't have people that they could talk to. And it's kind of fuels depression and these kind of things. And I think we can do a big thing as Muslims by simply, you know, giving people that sense of the time and the, and the place. And this is really how, how hearts become transformed. So I think that therefore, uh, in having that sense of human empathy, uh, always for all people, around us, people who suffer, uh, people who are struggling, people who are poor. Look when the people came from uh, in Medina, where did they come from? They came from, uh, uh, I forgot the location uh, now, but they came uh, Mudar, came from Mudar, you know, and they came and they came Hurfat, Hurat, they came like barefoot, like naked. They had nothing. And and the Prophet, when he, when he saw them, it says, Bayat uh, what the, the Prophet's face had just changed because he, he looked upon them with a great sense of sympathy and, and mm-hmm. sadness, seeing people like that. You know, and then he says, and then he called, Bilal, called Bilal, made Adan. And then the Prophet recited verses from the Quran. He, the verse in the Quran, uh, either this verse or the verse when Allah says, um, uh, uh, this is the verse, sorry. We created you from a single soul. You know, I mean, the, the, our beginning points are the same. The Prophet said in the, in the, in the, in his last sermon, Kulukum in Adam, Adam in Turab, all of you are from Adam. Adam was from dust. Our point is just the same, you know. And he's saying to Zahaba, look, these are, these are fellow human beings that have come to see you and also they're believers. And he says, uh, and then when he gives his sermon, you know, and he says, like, you know, uh, save yourself from the fire, even with half of a date. And then the man comes and he gives, like, you know, 
one one dirham or dinar, another one comes gives two, another one gives comes gives clothing, another one comes gives food. There was a man who was carrying two sacks which he couldn't even carry. Until at the end there was these two piles of all this stuff. And it says, the Prophet's face, it began to uh, glisten like gold. You know, the narrator says, when he saw that this was a response of his ummah towards these four people, we have to have that sense of compassion and kindness and empathy in knowing, therefore, that there are another people, another part of the world, another part of the country or our town or somewhere, and they're suffering. And just think, therefore, about those temporalities, vulnerabilities in yourself that Mm -hmm. Uh, also exist in them. And I think that's a, a big uh, way that we can have effective empathy. Allahu Akbar. Those are some beautiful examples and, and a really concise one sentence to end with is to, to remember your vulnerabilities and to remember that those we deal with have the same vulnerabilities. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to be empathetic, content with his decree, allow us to practice khalwa, mindful, mindfulness and uh, reflection on our own and allow us to be people of gratitude uh, and, and shukr, especially in these difficult times. Jazakallah khair, Sheikh, uh, Sheikh Uthman. We're going to have a quick five to seven minutes at most. Uh, if your time, if you still have time, Sheikh. Um, Uh, Just to have an open Q&A for those watching live, uh, feel free to uh, write your comments down and uh, we'll try and present the questions one by one. We'll try not to take, uh, not to pass uh, half past eight. So we have uh, time for maybe one or two questions, inshallah. Okay, uh, there's a first question from, uh, from Hannah Jafar, uh, my sister, Hafizahullah. Uh, how do you know if you're practicing mindful spiritual development uh, when you're on your own? Uh, well, you know, I, I, well, if, if, so I think one of the key things is that it's like, for example, you practice like the hadith when the Prophet says about the, um, the salah you, you pray after wudu, and he said that. The one who is um, not distracted in his mind and in his heart, and he prays to Rakat and Allah forgives his sin. It's therefore to check yourselves. Uh, it's always sometimes, for example, if you're, uh, and it's really helped, therefore, by just understanding the kind of things that you're saying. So if you're reciting, for example, through the Fatiha, then know, therefore, that everything uh, has a relevance in the present. So if you're saying, Alhamdulillah, I mean, praise be to Allah, Allah, there was. Now that Hamd, of course, is Alhamdulillah, uh, it's coming from the limbs. Alhamd, uh, it's coming from the tongue. The Hamd, of course, is Allah is deserving of all praise before you prayed and after you prayed in all situations. But Allah, of course, is praiseworthy. Allah placed you on the prayer mat. It's for you to therefore have a sense of kind of going over, make tadabbar, like make a re- reflect deeply on your, on your actions. Uh, if you're, for example, even for example, if you're reciting Quran, and, and particularly when you're praying salah, for example, look how the Prophet would sometimes repeat the verses, like the verse he would repeat about um, when he would repeat the verses in Qiyamah layl like when Allah speaks about Isa and Allah says, that did you tell people to take you and your mother as God besides Allah? And he would say, I had no authority over that. And Allah, and then Isa salam says, in tu'adhibhum fa'innum ibadak wa in ta'gfirullahum fa'innak antalazizul hakim. The Prophet yeah. you know, kept crying and repeating this verse all night. In tu'adhibhum fa'innum ibadak wa in ta'gfirullahum. You know, Umar uh, al-Khattab, 
Prophet ﷺ, he kept repeating the verses of Surah Yusuf. Now we forgot to mention Surah Yusuf because that's so grand in this whole topic, right? Particularly because of you mentioned, we mentioned Ta'if and all, and Surah Yusuf being revealed at the same time towards the end of the stage in Mecca. And, and, and Surah Yusuf is the consolation. It's the reminder to Nabi ﷺ that these things are going to happen and people before you also had it tough. Like prophets before you, Laqad Kanafi, Qasas, him, you know, these are all the stories of the prophets are, are, are to remind him about. And Allah mentioned the same thing at the end of Surah Hud, before Surah Yusuf was revealed. And so Allah in the Quran therefore is saying in, about Surah Yusuf, Allah is saying Allah is uh, Azizun, uh, Alimun Hakim. Three times Allah mentions Allah is Alimun Hakim, mm-hmm. uh, Alimun Hakim. Allah is all knowing and Allah is all wise. And therefore knowing of Allah's names and attributes is very powerful. Because if, if I know Allah is all-knowing and Allah is all-wise, that means Allah knows what's going to happen and Allah has the best end for me because Allah is full of wisdom. Now, in, now Yaqub salam in the beginning, of course, all this situation is happening. Uh, he reminds, and Allah mentions in the, uh, in the beginning, don't tell your brothers this dream uh, because in a shaitan, shaitan wants to, you know, uh, is an open enemy unto man. Uh, but then Allah says Allah is uh, all-knowing and Allah is all-wise. And all the events unfold with Yusuf a.s., uh, the betrayal of trust you know, from his sons towards him was purposed. Although, of course, it's, it's terrible because he was victim of injustice and suffering from his father. The father, began. he lost his eyesight because of crying, mm-hmm. grieving over Yusuf. But it was purposeful because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, there was a reconciliation. And that's something stressed upon. Even the prophets coming back from Medina to Mecca, that's from, that's through Yusuf, because he says the same words, that the thareeb alaykum al yom, no blame on you today. That's Yusuf's words unto his brother, right? That, you know, that, so therefore the, the, the Quran is really our, is really our, our source. The Quran, the Quran is our sense of protection. The Quran is our, we drink from the spring of the Quran to understand that oh, okay. is very key to reflect deeply on Allah's verses. That at uh, a very simple way, if I'm praying Salah, for example, to be conscious, I, 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 you can know yourself, you know, how much have you really thought about Allah? How much were you distracted in that prayer about other things or reading Quran, other things, you know, and we keep working on that. No one's perfect. We're going to keep working on that, inshallah, try and get it as best as we can, inshallah. And every human being, I mean, Allah doesn't desire, doesn't expect miracles from us or perfection from us, but we try as best as we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think, therefore, to be in a state of spiritual consciousness, um, you know, we just, it's just with, I mean, sometimes it doesn't mean that you're sitting alone by yourself, by yourself. It could be a single, small, tiny moment, you know, in, in your day. It could be a, a few seconds you have in the car, you know, but, but that's a time where you're really, appreciative or you're really patient or you're really remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm. You know, the dhikr of Allah is so important, so important to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But to do that with meaning, to remember Allah's names and attributes and to, the Prophet says, Jaddidu imanakum, renew your iman by saying la ilaha illallah, you know, saying subhanallah, tamla'ul mizan, it, 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 kind of, it, it fills the balance. We should not take these things lightly. The Prophet said, Allah ukhbirukum, should I tell you that is with the best of your deeds and what more beautiful with your king and it goes on and it would raise your station and they said it's dhikr of Allah so we should take that and that's a beautiful way for us to be in a state of khalwa because just to be by yourself 
uh, you know, and, and remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, particularly after salah, for example, you know, it's, it's quiet time, in a quiet time, recite Ayatul Kursi, do your adhkar, you know, morning and evening, leave the home with your adhkar, enter your home with adhkar. Uh, and I think these things are just practical, small things that we can do to enhance our experience Allah give us to seek. I mean, Jazakallah, that's a really beautiful, important and simple practical benefit that dhikr is the key to reflection and the key to introspection. If if one is sitting alone and not sure what to say, what to think, what to do, how do I actually introspect? The the miftah, the beginning is always the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah will open uh, open our hearts to him and open our hearts to his reflection. Jazakallah khairan. I don't think we have time for more questions, Shaykh. Barakallah fikum for your time. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to benefit through you and with you and and to benefit us subhanahu wa ta'ala from each other's company. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive our sins and to grant us tafiq to do more for his sake. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to raise uh, from us and remove from us this pandemic that has stretched across the globe and taken so many lives. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to raise your rank and the rank of our listeners uh, in this world and the afterlife. Barakallah fikum for your time, Sheikh. And inshallah we will end the broadcast here. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh.